equals spin The propaganda's win Stress feeding on my tension My countrymen, they love their fiction Words are now This made with good intentions Welcome to One of Two Hundred. We are back for another week of current events, independent media and politics analysis. If you check our summary today, you'll see that we've finally launched the Pledge Me, which I've been teasing for the last few weeks. Jump in there, give us $10, uh, $50, as much money as you are willing to part with. Uh, We're looking for about $5,000 to see through a range of projects and help the organization grow. Uh, We want to make sure that we're able to reach as many people as possible, keep building a framework for progressive media and get our hands on some hardware so that we can start doing a a wider range of content. So look in the summary, click on that link, uh, see what you can help us out with and and share it around. Let people know that there is some left-wing progressive indie media out there that is looking for a hand. Over to the actual podcast, though. I'm joined by Karen McLean again. Welcome. Oh, wow. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We're we're very busy. There's so much happening. It's not going to slow down. Um, the campaign is in full swing now. We had the Labour and National launches on the weekend gone. Last podcast for current events we were all kind of hedging our bets about whether Labour would offer anything uh, in this election campaign or just continue to rule stuff out. And we were pretty pessimistic that they'd do anything. But then Hipkins came out that afternoon, uh, you know, maybe four hours after we'd recorded and released this free dental for under-30s policy. Cynicism, purely, what do you reckon? Cynicism, or there's something there? Like, they, they really believe this? Uh, <laughs> Cynicism. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think with Labour, there's always a question of whether, they, whether they're actually going to deliver, um, or whether this is going to be like the Harbour Crossing Bridge, which every successive government promises and never actually materialises. Um, I, I like that they're doing it. Um, I like that the Greens are behind it, because that means I know people will actually push for it. Um, I, yeah, like, to be honest, whether or not they do it, I will still be voting for the Greens in that coalition, because the right-wing party is worse, or the right-wing coalition is worse. Um, but yeah, if they can push it through, that's awesome. Big fan. <laughs> like, vote Green. Three ticks Green, everyone. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Four ticks. Five ticks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or just like by the left. Um, the part of Maori has, has come out with some, some good stuff as well uh, around this. I think what was maybe a an indication that it wasn't just cynicism uh, was Hipkins talking about universalism on the stuff uh, and how everyone should have free dental, but then couching it in this kind of third way term, like, but we just can't do it yet because we're sensible. Um, what's, what's frustrating about it, I think is, you know, it's for 2026. Um, so it's, they're going to be bringing it in incrementally, uh, as if labor needed to dip into incrementalism any more, uh, than, than it already is. Uh, and part of the reason that Hopkins was giving for that was they need to increase capacity. They need to, uh, bring more, uh, dentists into the industry, it all sounds very sensible. I'm not convinced. I think you're right. Like, you know, the Greens coming out and saying, why don't we just do this now and do it better? Um, it's absolutely correct. It provides some room for that, which I'm always into. I I prefer it when Labour are releasing policies that the parties to the left of them can hang their own stuff off because that shows in, I think, more strategic thinking, which Labour hasn't been good at recently. Um, and there, yeah, there was nothing much else from the from the campaign launch, though. Did you manage to catch any of it? Uh, all I saw was the dental policy because I think that was the only substantive thing 
from labor. <laughs> that was the only thing that would impact my life. I think my suggestion to people who need dentistry is to have family in New Zealand that had to go into sort of successful trades. So if you have two to three uncles that are dentists and aunts, um, that's <laughs> would, like that. That's that's my um, take. So I think just for everyone else, like like yeah, just like go back in time and make sure your uncle or aunt becomes a dentist because I'm going to be thirty by the time 2026 rolls around. So, it's <laughs> for me. so I'm I'm banking on Chloe Swarbrick making this reality. Um, yeah, absolutely, and yeah, either that or. Uh, be a citizen of another country that has good dental. Yeah. Um, I, I hear that's a really good one. And then you can fly over for a holiday, uh, get your teeth done, and it will still be cheaper than using the New Zealand system. I think the other thing with the labor launch maybe is that it did look, but they did go out of their way to kind of show that community edge. You know, Hipkins is kind of hanging his hat on that campaign starting last weekend that's it's already become like the line he's trotting out around the polls like the campaign's barely begun or the campaign's only just started um and especially in the preceding weeks like we're not even campaigning yet they've had a couple of polls come out this week which are still not great for the left um and not great for labor yeah. luxon is kind of pulling level with uh hipkins on preferred pm uh which is yeah good Karen made a, a face that described all our feelings. So I guess in the next couple of weeks, we'll we'll see whether or not the Labour campaign machine kicking into gear is really able to make a difference. Yeah, I'll be curious too. Like, based on all my anecdotal conversations, which to be clear, reflect really only central Auckland, um, which includes like Epsom as well, which is very right wing. Um, my experience is that the energy is with the Greens or ACT. Like people either believe in Chloe Swarbrick or they believe in David Seymour. And most people are, e even hardline National Party voters are just like voting for Hipkins the way they would pull a lever or sorry, voting for Luxon the way they would pull a lever or voting for Hipkins the way they would pull a lever. Mm -hmm. Like there's no energy or passion or enthusiasm behind them. So I just think of them as like sort of representatives of like a dying behemoth um, and hope that the Greens, I, I guess my thought is I think Labour's success is going to be contingent yep. on how much they let the Greens in, like how much they let the Greens' energy suffuse their base. And I think, as with as with the states, like sidelining the Greens the way the Democrats like punitively and pettily sideline Bernie could have really negative consequences for them. Because I, I still think Hillary could have won if she's thrown like mm -hmm. one to three bones of Bernie's policy and meant it to the electorate being like all right yeah absolutely out, we'll and healthcare. I, that's I why i was happy to see labor kind of shifting yeah. into that space a little more than they perhaps have and also the greens um starting to be a little more antagonistic uh towards labor and saying hey we're out here because i think you're right the the energy in the selection is coming from the flanks um the national though that means losing some of their base to ACT. I don't think David Seymour is really the, or, and, and ACT itself are really the kind of entity that creates new voters. I don't, I don't think they're going to be activating non-voters, but I think. Why do you think that? Like what, what makes you think that they're not like getting people in? I trust you. I'm just kind of curious. I think most of the people who are, going to be voting for kind of right-wing policy tend to pe be people who are already engaged in the political system. Um, people who uh, are landlords um, or have other assets um, or business interests that they are going to benefit from these policies on. Um, I mean, there... There is a world where there's a whole bunch of stuff happening in the background that we're just not aware of uh, with ACT, where they actually are getting out into communities um, and and doing this stuff. But I don't... The ACT stuff just falls over so quickly under any interrogation. Um, and I don't see door knocking yeah. as being an um, effective strategy for them. 
in the same way it would be for the Greens or even Labour. Um, and part of that is because I don't think they have many volunteers. A lot of their campaign stuff is likely to be paid for. Uh, I know that previously, you know, when, they, when they're putting up all the hoardings, for, for Labour and the Greens, it's volunteers. For National, it's volunteers as well. For ACT, they have, like, contractors come out and put them up. And that's a real difference in terms of the base yeah. of the party, who they're able to activate within the machinery of, of the campaign, and therefore who they're able to reach. Uh, and in that sense, I think the energy coming from the Greens in this election is more able to draw in those non-voters to activate a wider base. And to, actually, tell me what you think about this. Like, because the the normal, the normal, the uh, received wisdom is that higher turnout is good for the left. Do you think that still holds? Because that's kind of what I'm basing stuff on here, and, and I think it is the case. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question, actually. Because in America, higher turnout was better for Biden rather than Bernie. Um, so I'm not necessarily sure it's better for the left, like our left, which is still something of a fringe ideology, even though people like our policies. Um, it's definitely good for liberals, I think. I think the majority of people are kind of grossed out by overt racism. Um, they don't like overt misogyny. They're generally pro-abortion. Like they're just normal. Like they're normal people who want to be good and do good, um, and and yeah, I think I think far right policies tend to turn them off. So yeah, I think it would be good for labor, definitely, like higher turnout. Yeah, I, I'm um, optimistically bundling labor with the left here, um, <laughs> which is but even in the sense that labor, if we call labor liberal centrists, higher turnout for them is still good for the is still better for the left. Um, than otherwise, because the alternative is national, right? Yeah, yeah. I, when, when I lived in Pittsburgh, I was part of the Pittsburgh DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, and we had we got more socialists elected in Pittsburgh than in any city in America. Um, I think when I left, we were up to five, and now they're up to eight or nine. But there was one one woman in particular, Summer Lee who's now in the U.S. House of Representatives with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And we got her into the Pennsylvania State House. Um, and we ran her as uh, an insurgent Democrat. So we ran her as a left-wing Democrat in the primary and won. But the way we did that was because the Democratic Party locked us out of the voter rolls, if they wouldn't give us the information we needed to go door knocking, um, they went to a much older database, like the publicly accessible records, built their own uh, voter database, mm -hmm. which is now more up-to-date and valuable than the Democratic parties, which is like full of dead people and people who have moved. Um, and and then we, we just knocked, like we knocked so many doors yep. and we, we made her happen. Um, so it's sort of like you said, with the Greens, the energy is there. And it, especially in smaller cities, it's doable. My theory is that um, it's easier for left-wingers to win elections when you can knock as many doors as the media can reach. Yep. It is harder in national elections or where the media has more reach than the number of doors volunteers can knock. Um, and the media here is amoral, cowardly, and sometimes very, very stupid. And because of that, like they let David Seymour, who's a little creep with nothing better to do than, than write 11 press releases a day, work them like a fiddle because he's always giving them content. They're just like a hungry cat looking for content. And David Seymour is always feeding it to them. And because of that, I think as you mentioned with, with uh, the contractors, it gives the impression of a larger reach and more popularity than he perhaps actually has, um, which can, I think, probably create its own mimetic effect, which is maybe what he under intuitively understands, which is that if enough people believe he's an entity, then he becomes an entity yeah. or a force to be reckoned with. Um, so, yeah, I guess I guess that would be my... Like the media could, could sideline David Seymour. They could stop him from happening. They could just black him out. They could say no, we're not letting you in the way they would black out a candidate who started talking about ancient aliens. Well, like what they did to Materia today, right? Yeah. Sorry? Uh, like what they did to Materia today, um, the ex-Greens co-leader. Were, were, so were you in New Zealand for that? No, no. What happened with that? Uh, oh, man. Uh, 
so most of the audience will probably be aware of this, but I think it's worth um, kind of going over as an example in, in contrast with David Seymour's kind of rise. So essentially, Greens were doing really well. Um, this is uh, just after Ardern, so Ardern uh, taking over from Andrew Little. Um, and part of the reason for the Greens doing so well is that uh, they come out with these really good um, beneficiary policies, uh, like Ministry of Social Development policies, and Materia Ture had shared uh, like her experiences of being on the benefits of a single mother um, and in order to survive, essentially, having to cheat the system. Yeah. Um, and the backlash was one of the one of probably one of the worst monsterizations um, among the New Zealand media and political classes um, of the modern age. Uh, like she's a criminal. Um, it's she's untrustworthy. Like even if like she had to, it wasn't right. Um, this is stuff like, and this is despite like the jump in support she got for sharing this, and people going, "Oh, that's someone like me." Like. Who is who is representing us and like trying to make things better for us? Uh, people in her own party uh, like called her out and left the party over it, like MPs. Um, every single journalist you can think of, essentially, um, in, in the gallery, uh, was just going for her throat, um, and she had to quit before the election. And James Shaw ended up going to the election as solo leader. It was, oh, and, and Jacinda Ardern was just like, she'll never be a minister in my cabinet. Absolutely just threw her under the bus on it. That's awful. Wait, is this the genesis of that famous Hero Lindsay Bird tweet? Like, goddamn, this stupid, milk-loving piece of shit, dumbass, mean-spirited, sale at Briscoe's, racist, sexist, 40% off deck, deck furniture, piss country? I don't know if that's, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that, that applies all the time at any moment in time. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure. Uh, but I mean, it, it absolutely can. Yeah, no, I just looked it up, and it is like that was. It oh, was about well, there you go. Today. Yeah, no, but I mean, it, yeah, it speaks to this broader problem, um, which I suppose like speaks to Hipkins' issue as well, right? Which is like trying to bend over backwards for people who will never respect you anyway is always a losing strategy. Like you never ever throw your people under the bus for like for for racists, like because. You know, like no matter what you do, you're never going to out racist the racist. No. So you just have to be who you are, and even if you lose an election or two, like have faith that your ideology will will win in the long run if it's the right one. Because I mean, that's what Bernie did, right? He was like laughed at for like decades in the House until one day he hit seventy, and material conditions have deteriorated enough that people are like, "Wait, this guy has a point." And the next thing you know, he's a he's an actual presidential. Candidate. Same with Corbyn, right, in the UK. Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, Corbyn was right about like tons of like almost everything, like all the big stuff. And yep. they just laughed at him and laughed at him and laughed at him. And then all of a sudden, like a huge swath of the country is like, oh shit, he has a point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I just don't think it's worth sacrificing your integrity um, for that like brief moment of political expediency. Because yeah, like, like thing, if, if it's true, if it's right, like people will come back around. It just might take longer than you expect. Yeah, and, and we hope it doesn't. But uh, yeah, but I think that's yeah. probably one of the things I'm optimistic about here um, currently is that as bad as Labour is at the stuff and as hard as they're trying tr to triangulate and they're ruling stuff out, I mean, this is all garbage. This is all, like, stupid shit. They're nothing like the DNC in terms yeah. of uh, what they're... in terms of their relationship with the left. Um, they're nothing like UK Labour, you know, and... and these are, those are both like things that very much could have happened um, under Hipkins. He, they could have turned much further to the right than they have. Um, and they could have been actively hostile uh, towards the Greens and to Party Māori. And they, they haven't been, um, you know, they haven't shut them out of the conversation in, in, in the way that some of these kind of bigger, um, more venal institutions in other Western countries would have. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. I definitely think you're right. I still remember that New York Times article about the DNC and how they they had a secret meeting 
to make sure Bernie wouldn't become the nominee. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even that secret. They just all got together and they were like, we need to stop this from happening. Effectively deciding that um, capital or their capital interests were more important than democracy um, and winning. But like, they don't care if Republicans win just as long as the money keeps flowing, which is a problem for the rest of us. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not fully faithful. Labor won't go that way. That's like contradiction. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, you're right. For the time being, it could be a lot worse. On the Sunday after the, the Labour launch, National launched their campaign. Um, it kind of sucked. Yeah, how so? It was it was all like blue lit um, with like heavy spotlights on the stage. Uh, a range of commentators, and I, I think they're correct about this, said it was very American style um, campaign launch. He had his kids introduce him and shit like this. Um People like MPs were coming down the, uh, not the aisle, but out from the backstage and like waving at people to music and stuff. It was a little bit jarring and it, it felt like quite sterile. Yeah, it is funny, isn't it? He, he uh, Luxon seems to really have a, a fascination with America. Like he almost seems to want to be American sometimes um, in a way that to me, I'm surprised Labour isn't opening a line of attack on that because that's just such an easy thing to do. Like Luxon has his fascination with the American constitution. He seems to love American business and American entrepreneurialism. Um, and I think it's a very easy line of attack, even if a little xenophobic, but if it wins, it wins to be like, Hey man, like you don't actually like New Zealand. Like, because I think a lot of New Zealanders with capitalistic ambitions just move to Australia. A lot of the ones that are here are here because they like to be here. And, and that would be just the easiest line of attack in the world. Like, Hey man, like you don't like this country. Like go back to America. if you want. <laughs> I'm waiting to see if they um, kind of come out with some attack, like proper attack uh, campaign material uh, because you had that CTU um, campaign. Everyone's like, Oh, it's so negative. It's not like I, this is American style attack politics. No, it's not. No, like, no, God, no, don't, no, come, come on, folks. Like, Let's let's be serious about this. Um, <laughs> no, but Hopkins has said that Labour are going to go on the attack, and there is a lot of recorded material just on from news pieces of Luxon saying some pretty nasty shit about New Zealanders. Really, perfect. Yeah, like yeah, like turn that into an attack ad. Yeah, like just like yeah, like. Because, like, it's funny because I think New Zealanders, will, in my experience, will tolerate a certain amount of self-deprecation, but there are certain triggers you shouldn't push. Um, and I think he's definitely passed some of those. Like, he seems to really hate that this country is in America. And, and yeah, like, that's, that's a line of attack. Because um, I, think, I, I think people respond to that. Like, they're just like, why aren't you proud of where you're from? Like, mm -hmm. why don't you really like it here? Um, why do you want to run this country if you don't even like it that much? I hope... Hipkins does this like I hope he <laughs> because that was what killed um that was what killed Bernie too is there was a it was a actually surprisingly good New York Times article about how he had a debate with Biden and it was the time to go for the throat it was the time yeah. to really put him in the dirt and because Bernie liked Biden on a personal level yeah from their time I remember this yeah he wouldn't do it he was like oh I don't want to I don't want to be cruel like I don't want to I'm not um, going to attack people he said yeah he said this like at the outset right yeah, and I, and we were all just me. I mean, me personally, but like major <laughs> left commentators, like the Chapo guys and all that. They were like, "No, you have to, you have to put him in the dirt. Like, you have to go for the jugular." And he couldn't do it, and I think that was part of the reason he lost. So I hope Hipkins can take a cue from that and just, you know, put that weird little bald loser in the in like just put him in the ground. <laughs> like, like I, I think it's really doable, and people are talking yeah. about, um, you know, the upcoming debates. I think the first one's on the 19th um, because Luxon is really bad on the spot, like yeah. immensely bad. He can't even do his lines right on radio, you know. Um, they'll, they'll be they'll be drilling him so hard. And, you know, you know, maybe maybe they'll be able to turn him into something that can uh, compete. But Hipkins is really, really good at this stuff. You know, yeah. he's he's a he's been training for this his entire life. He's a horrible little nerd, you know, like. Yeah. And like more so than you know, everyone jokes about David Seymour being a disgusting debate club guy. Um, Hipkins has done that professionally. He was he's been in Young Labour since he was a kid, essentially. Like 
Um, and he's been in Parliament and in the House and doing Question Time and being like a front bencher for a long, long time. Um, yeah, yeah. Then, like, I, I want to see him go for it. Like, I, I, I think his instincts are there. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's the thing about debate, debate club people is we make fun of them, but when they're good at it, one of my favorite essays by the Irish author Sally Rooney, who wrote "Normal People in Conversations with Friends," is actually about her time in debate, where she talks about winning the European Debate Championship. Because it's one of the only times she shows a real attenuation for the blood. She talks about how she's like, I was the best. Like she really like you can you can sense there's a hunger there, like a real, like feral emotion to it that I think some of her other work lacks. And like I'm immediately drawn to that. Um and I, I suspect other people will be too if Hipkins can show something similar. But you're right, like he's been training for us his whole life. Like I hope they just let him off the let him off the chain. Yeah. Like let him let him like let him make a let him run run Luxon around the court. Yeah, well, previous to um, Hipkins becoming prime minister, you know, when he was um, well, all kinds of different ministers um, under Ardern, people talked about him being like Labour's attack dog. Um, he, he's that guy. Um, he's okay. he's he's the mongrel apparently, um, and he hasn't really shown that um, as the prime minister yet. So it'll be interesting to see. And I guess the other question is like. What good will that do at this point? Um, how how much can uh, that kind of performance on the debate stage actually swing an election that seems to be more about the current environment um, than anything at the moment? Uh, yeah. I, th- I think the only way it really does is if Luxon really gets smashed, like absolutely loses on on every metric yeah i mean they are neck and neck now i remember that famous debate between george bush and al gore in like 2000 Mm -hmm. um and al gore went in too arrogant because he thought bush was a moron which bush was but but um and and bush trained like a like a mad dog Mm -hmm. for months for that debate and it showed like bush bush buried gore um and that's that's one of the factors that swung the election for bush and you're right, like this is more circumstantial in terms of its it being reflective of um an economic environment. But I do have faith that if if Hipkins can really because everyone's gonna be tuning into this, or like lots of voters will, and if 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 Hipkins can like work the media right, like provide something devastating and entertaining enough that it can go viral, yeah. like I think that could actually really swing his favor in his favor, especially because the election's coming up soon. Yeah. I think Luxon's probably gonna go in with a um a bunch of lines which he's gonna be trying to land. Um, and just trying to uh, kind of tread water. Uh, I, d- I don't think you can do much more with him um, as a yeah. as a media trainer. Like I just don't think he's got the capacity for it. I think the real risk is the same as what you said around Gore and, and Bush, is that Hipkins goes in thinking he's got an easy win. If I'm yeah. Labour right now, I am training Hipkins for this debate yeah. and trying to guess uh where Luxon's gonna be. Um yeah. as hard as like uh National will be going for Luxon to, to do the yeah. same. Um and not just having a couple of good zingers um based on where you think Luxon's lines are gonna uh, land, but saying to Hipkins, your your best your best attacks are gonna be off the cuff. Like just like trusting yourself to like get him by the throat. Uh when he missteps because he's going yeah. to um and i guess we'll see i guess we'll see like it's yeah i don't know i don't know um neither neither campaign launch really had a bounce for either party um uh so far uh this week we'll probably have more polls out next week and every week until the election at this point um but yeah, this this is like like we've said, there's still just not much on offer from either party, either major party. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's not great. It's funny though. In my personal life, I've actually been feeling more hopeful politically, even though there's a chance we might lose the next election if yeah. like statistically a good one. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's worth talking about on here because I feel like you will understand. So both of us are not fans of New Zealand media. I'm not really much of a fan of American political media either. No. 
Um, and I used to know a few people in it, and now I kind of do, kind of don't. But I, I do like, I like good writing. I like good playwriting um, as a performance journalist. I like good, uh, I like good novel writing, and I like good critical writing as well, like essays and all that. So I've been seeking out people like that in Auckland. And I have found there are groups of like incredibly smart, mm -hmm. charismatic, funny, cool, sharp writers, and like just cool artists, painters, poets, yep. playwrights. Like they're all there. Like they, and they all have like Chloe Swarbrick like confidence and or some of them have Chloe Swarbrick like confidence and charisma and energy. And the only problem is they're not interested in politics because they see it as the domain of like the unchic and the unglamorous and the uncool. And in some ways they are right. Yeah, they're correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what I've been personally trying to do is find a like find ways or paths for them to get involved. Because you really only need a few Chloe Swarbricks, you know? Like you, you only need a few people with like charisma and energy and passion. But yeah, finding ways for them to get involved and in doing so, get other people to care about it in a way that isn't sort of politically obsessive the way that David Seymour does or the way that um, like Thomas Coughlin at the Herald does in a way that's like not cool or weird or unself-respecting. Um, and I, I think it, as conditions worsen, as like act gains power and people realize like, oh shit, politics are annoying and boring, but we do actually have to care about them. I do actually have faith that we can pull those people in and, and hopefully make something better in the process. Yeah, um, I think you're absolutely right. And it's another thing about um, why that kind of engagement just tends to be better for the left. Because yeah. we're engaging in terms of how can we make stuff better and how can we do it alongside our communities? Yeah. Uh, where as the right-wing uh, strategy tends to lean on how can we be better just for you? Like there's some bad shit going down and we'll will help you rise above everyone else. Um, and there's a just a baseline kind of narcissism and selfishness to that that doesn't help things get built. Um, and it has people at each other's throats um, as soon as kind of any overarching fear or power dynamic goes out the window. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm hopeful as well in terms of the wider stuff. Um, less hopeful around like corporate frameworks versus climate crisis. Yeah. Um, you know, these are the really big things um, that we probably need to start fixing soon. In terms of uh, the way it's being approached in the media, we're continuing to see some pressure on ACT and Seymour um, this last week. And he's not happy about it, man. <laughs> it's... It's really interesting to watch his transformation from this, you know, class clown kind of character um, who kind of joke and brush off things with the media uh, to seeing him standing in front of his tour bus, almost telling media to their face that they're fake news. So, yeah, I noticed you were tweeting about that earlier too, and it seems to like interest you in a way that interests me. What do you think the turning point was at which point they realized, like, oh, shit, we actually need to start you know, targeting I, this little Kendall Hitler, basically. I don't know. <laughs> like, Because it should have been since 2020 when the votes started to tick up and we knew there were people on that list who had very extreme ideas. Um, I'm not... I, I think it's partly... That he's uh the party's getting up close to that 15 percent um you know, it's looking far more plausible that they'll uh get the deputy uh prime minister role or like some major portfolios cynically i also think it's national being like now nah, go after this guy now like there's a tacit permission there that too much um kind of influence of that is probably actually bad. Uh, we want some of those voters to come home uh, to the center. But I still don't know exactly where that tipped. Um, where, like, there's been a whole bunch of social media trying to popularize this stuff for the last three months. 
um, like just hammering at it. And maybe some of that just finally got through. Uh, some of these candidates are lunatics, like oh. actually. Um, yeah, I saw there was a, a, I didn't read it, but I saw there was a spinoff piece going through ACT candidate or former ACT candidate Mark Cameron's mm -hmm. tweets. Uh, yeah. he's, he's a psycho. Like he's an absolute, like, yeah. anti-vax lunatic, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, like New Zealand MAGA kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, watching these list candidates, I think there are four or five now who have had to uh, drop out of the, the ACT list for just outrageous comments. And like these are just the ones that have been found and haven't covered their tracks. The latest is this guy, uh, Zane Cousins, who act were like, oh yeah, we know he's been censured by the real, he's the real estate agent. We know he's been censured by the real estate industry uh, multiple times, <laughs> you know, and we're not going to tell anyone about that. We're not going to like, and, and we're going to put him like on our list. Like this is who we want as an act candidate. Some guy who, and the some guy who was censured by the the real estate um, industry, which is, you can imagine, pretty hard to do. It's a bit of a cowboy um, industry. Yeah, it's for real estate agents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not, it's, not, and it's not charity work. <laughs> has been censured for pressuring elderly couples into selling their houses for less yeah. on multiple occasions. Like, what a piece of shit. What, like, See, that, that's an attack ad. That's what labor should be running with, is like, this is who's going to be in in office if you guys vote for these people like yeah yeah and i don't think he's left yet i don't i think he's still on the list like some of the others who were um comparing vaccines to the holocaust they had they had to go they're gone yeah. um this guy's still hanging in there but you had the other um you know the pharmaceuticals guy that they've brought in actors brought in at fourth on the list he like had this mind blank um, being interviewed by Jack Tame over the weekend where he tried to do this diversity thing. And we put a clip up on the Instagram um, and on the Twitter um, where he, he says, oh, we want a really diverse team. Uh, you know, business owners, small business owners, people who have worked in corporate, people with economics degrees. And it's just, it's too much. But like, that's the funny part of that interview. But there's this like horrific part of the interview as well, which is also getting quite a bit of traction. And you're like, who are these people? Because he's asked about how at the ACT Party would reform Pharmac um, and the way that Pharmac uh, decides which medicines are funded. Um, and he starts going on this um, explanation of we would fund more medicine based on the economic output. So medicines that essentially um, help people who are chronically ill or disabled, um, but uh, to the extent that they cannot work, would be pushed down the list. Which yeah, is that's eugenics. That's eugenics. Yeah. And, you know, people have been... You know, kind of pointing at this, like, yeah, you know, actors like they got these that kind of fascist undertones around this stuff. Um, and David Seymour and others have been able to do this plausible deniability thing, like, ah, oh, free speech, yada yada. Um, you can't just call everyone a fascist, yada yada yada. No, this guy like laid out the Act Party plans to take away funding for medicines to an extent that people are going to die. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, yeah, like, and I think that's where New Zealand exceptionalism becomes a barrier. Because I, I just, I don't, I think at least some of the New Zealanders I know, there's a mental block around acknowledging that this could, that could happen here. Like there's, there's actually, there's this great Jacobin piece by someone you probably know, Branko Marchetic, <laughs> who talks about New Zealand's uh, um, neoliberal drift. And I'm, I'm it, on a bound to say it's Marcha Teach. Sorry? Uh, March of oh, Teach. Oh, March of Teach. Thank you. Um, sorry, sorry, Branko, if you're listening. Um, but uh, but yeah, like he talks about New Zealand's neoliberal drift in the '80s, mm -hmm. and in it he mentions that because we have an unwritten constitution without much in the way of civil rights protections, it's actually much easier for a legislative majority to tyrannize 
here than it is even in America. Yeah. Because there's no there's no Bill of Rights. There's no I mean, there's a treaty, but that's different. Um, and as such, neoliberal reforms here were passed so brutally quickly and rapidly that um, Republic, American Republican House of Representatives candidate Newt Gingrich sent over a delegation to New Zealand to study how they could replicate that in the States. Um, and I'm, I'm constantly trying to explain that to people here when they think bad things can't happen because I'm like, it actually, it, not only can bad things happen, they can happen here so much faster mm-hmm. than America and in some ways faster than England because all you need is a legislative majority. Like you don't need to spend decades winning over the Supreme Court. You don't need to, yeah, like you, you don't need to overturn civil rights statues. Like you just need enough votes. And then once you get those votes, like the dog is off the leash, like crazy shit can start happening. And if you're the Labour Party and you get an absolute majority, you're like, well, we won't do anything. Yeah, yeah. Like they could have remade the country. They could have they could have done incredible things and they just they fucked it. They fucked yeah. it so hard. And in some ways, like the you know, and that's frustrating. But in yeah. some ways the greater risk is this now presupposition, oh look, there was a majority and nothing really happened. So National Act wouldn't do it either. You know, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, that passivity. One of the things that like people kept saying or have kept saying during the course of this term is like, oh, Labour can't just pass anything because that will give permission to the right to do that. Oh, like, that's insane. Oh, that's not an argument. Who do you think these people are? Like, yeah, yeah. I had, I had a personal debate with someone about that over, um, over like water privatization. Um, yeah. And they were like, oh, if, if the left amends the constitution or the unwritten constitution or entrenches the notion that you can't privatize water even with a legislative majority, then the right is going to start doing that stuff. And I was like, have you seen the ACT Party platform? Like they're looking to create like internment camps for children and now clearly to like do eugenics with policy. Like we need to, yeah, like stop they're worrying do it. about Like they're not going to care about the public. Yeah, like the, the, the consensus is is the neoliberal sort of stability consensus is like dying in the same way that we all will one day. Like there is no avoiding its death. And so the best thing we can do is start planting our flags and staking our positions now instead of just waiting for things to get better. Because yeah, they're, they're not going to unless we make them. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is, yeah, preaching to the choir as you get and the audience gets, yeah, like fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, but you're right. There are some real cookers in the act list. And I'm, I'm kind of glad the media is finally starting to, to notice that however late and be perturbedly like oh shit like some of these guys are nuts <laughs> like, he doesn't like it man he is he is so mad you can see like veins bulging on his forehead like um like why are you focusing on this kind of stuff this is like uh basically disinformation kind of stuff like this is why no one trusts the media and the media are like they're saying to him like you think we shouldn't ask about your list candidates like you think we shouldn't ask about people who are going to be in parliament and maybe with ministerial positions? Uh, and Seymour's trying to do this thing where he's like, oh, I wish I was so powerful uh, that I could I could do all these things. Um, at the same time as pretending like, ah, look, we can, we do have the power to do this stuff. It's He's playing this really, uh, I don't even know what to call it. It's just irritating back and forth between I we are we are under attack, but we also are able to like shape the the next government kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's it's like it's um I tweeted about that, and I might write about it as well at some point. But it, I mean, it's basically sort of GamerGate style politics, rip, uh, rip ministerial, which is to say that. He's, he's he's using the language and posture of grievance to justify untrammeled aggression, and it 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 on an apolitical level that is very very distasteful. I think when portrayed in in the right light in the correct light, that's a major turnoff for a lot of like responsible adult voters because it only appeals to adolescents and adult bodies or people who want to be perpetually aggrieved, which is loser behavior on the left and the right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if the media can portray that correctly, they're like, oh, this this guy's desire to always be aggrieved is actually evidence of like little bitch loser mentality, then then that could turn a lot of people off him. Um like I mean, I was talking about that with a with a friend and, and guests of the pod, Finlay at People Against Prisons. We were sitting around the meeting at a meeting, and we were talking about how there's a missed opportunity for an attack line on Seymour 
where the media, because it's full of a lot of nerds, uh, keeps talking about how hardworking he is. But what he actually is, is a loser because he has no <laughs> life outside of politics because that's the only way he can, like the only way he can sit around writing 11 press releases a day or being available for comment at 1130 at night is if he has no life. Like Chloe Swarbrick, she works hard, but she's not like that because she's got a life. And and that's the attack line. It's like, this guy isn't hardworking. He's just a weird little obsessive with like nothing better to do. With very the- niche politics as well. Like Yeah, exactly. And like, if, if you just hammer him that way, be like, hey, mate, like, why are you at the pub with your friends like a normal person? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I- like, why aren't you going to watch a Warriors game or like at a barbecue like a normal person would be? Like, why are you always writing press releases and always available for comment? Like, like you know why don't you have a partner man or a woman <laughs> like like that is a much better attack line than i think yeah yeah than uh than valorizing as being hardworking. yeah and i don't i don't think we're gonna get to that point <laughs> yeah. I, I think that that's maybe a little too optimistic that um we'll start seeing that unless he really snaps unless he like yeah. fully cracks under the pressure and you know the signs are there and he tries to take a bite out of someone in the media and they just fucking turn on him yeah, and you know that's there's a distinct possibility that happens. Um, we'll see, we'll see. I, I'd love to, I'd love to watch it go down. Yeah, I think that's probably the meanest thing I, I would say about the media here is I think some of their affinity for him is because they recognize a fellow, like they feel warmly towards another fellow political obsessive, whereas like more normal media readers or just like regular people in New Zealand look at both of those people like like political obsessives in the press galley and political obsessives in parliament and think you guys are kind of weird. Like, yeah, this is a bit too much. like, yeah, like go watch the Waz, like go do something normal. Yeah. I, yeah. well, I mean, we're just going to have to wait and see over the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. We'll keep putting stuff up, I guess. Uh, follow us on Twitter yeah. for more good clips of that candidate saying stupid shit. Um, end of the week, uh, Labour announced this, gangs crackdown trying to cash on some of that crime stuff again um this is cynical i think this this yeah. is no this is nasty stuff from labor they're, they're trying to like we know it's cost of living health and crime are the top three issues at the moment um labor have done the dental thing for uh i guess the dental thing is both health and cost of living like okay we need to take a crack at this crime stuff as well there are some more uh gang funerals happening let's let's do a press release about how we're going to crack down on the gangs yeah yeah that's awful yeah i mean i guess we're on similar page. what do you think about that i just wish they'd stop <laughs> yeah. like I, I i don't think you know they've been running out this tough on crime stuff um since Hopkins came in to try and get some of the narrative back um and to try and work like a one or two percent edge in the polling there was that one week, uh, a month or so back, where they did three press releases in a row, like on subsequent days, and it just it didn't touch their polling at all. Like they they went further de- further down uh, over the um over the weeks afterwards. You know, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, like it's it's both cynical and it doesn't seem to be working for them. Essentially, is I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, it was like that thing we were talking about earlier. Like, you're never going to out-racist the actual racist. So there's no point trying. I mean, my my personal opinion on gang stuff, um, which I think I share with people against prisons, is that, uh, and I'm quoting the writer Jenny Openbeck here, the German one, is that designating people a societal waste product is a precursor to disposing of them as such. And so this idea that you can just disappear uh, any socially uncomfortable element is is a forerunner to concentration camps because if there's no rehabilitative aspect of the justice program you're just putting people in a pen that you're not allowed to kill yet and if once you get cookers like acting government they're going to start questioning oh can we just kill these people because then like it's like the eugenics argument with pharmac like it becomes more efficient economically efficient to just kill them instead of like keeping them housed and fed and that is a road I sincerely believe never again on Holocaust stuff. Like that is a road we need to stop by any means necessary. Um, so yeah, like I, I'm very, very, when they start leaning into racism with the gang stuff, it makes me like very incandescently angry. And I, I really, I don't like it. And it's a losing strategy for them. And I wish they just wouldn't do it. 
And I also think there's an open attack line there as well, where it, like there, there is something to like, like the people they're appealing to with gang fear are not the ones actually victimized by gangs. Um, it's often gang members who are victimized by gangs as much as anything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, or like family or friends or people with connections to the gangs. Um, and like you can make an anti-safetyism argument against it, which is to say, like, do you really believe the answer to to like historical social friction is to just disappear people in cells? Like, are you that much of a coward that you can't handle like adult discomfort and adult conversations and adult solutions to difficult problems? It's called the New um, Zealand condition. Karen. No, I'm learning the hard way. But I think there are ways to win people over. Like I had a I had a friend, a Russian coworker, who just he, he was a straight guy, watched a lot of media, and he he was starting to get won over by some anti-trans propaganda, specifically around children. Um, and I think I won him back specifically by talking about like just taking that anti-safetyist approach. Like we we're just talking about bars, and I was like, all right, like if a trans person walked into the bar, would you really want someone to bounce them? Like, would you want someone to remove them? And he was a normal guy. He was like, oh, no, no, that's awful. That's insane. And I'm like, that's what this policy is about. Um, like, yeah. And so I, I don't know. Like, I've noticed it. it has worked with like normal people in my life before. So maybe it'll work with gangs. Maybe it won't. I, I think I, I think it can. Um, I think yeah. it needs to be more like structured. Um, and we yeah. need like people with platforms to be doing it. We need political parties to be doing it. I think yeah. this is something that the West uh, as a whole um and in terms of like Western liberal democracy has really failed at, uh, and you mentioned it just before, like we we all say never again um, with reference back to um, the Holocaust, but we never talk about the precursors that allowed to get there. Um, yeah. And instead, people are like, oh no, no, it's not the same. Like, oh, you can't you can't call everything fascism um, as the kind of pan of uh, free speech absolutists, right? Like. Oh, it's lost its meaning now. But that's not what people are saying. They're saying we are creating conditions for this to happen again. That's not the same as saying we are in a state of outright fascism right now. Uh, but at some point you're on the train tracks and you can't get off anymore. Yeah. yeah and the, we don't the, have enough discussion about that. The tell for me is when, um, when media normalizes language, like vermin, filth, rats like that's a precursor to extermination because those are all things you hire an exterminator for yeah um and that to me like i just perk up and i'm like no 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 like you don't need to like they're they're adult people like mostly adult men and gang members and it, it's stupid to treat them like teddy bears because like we need to become intimate with our own capacity for harm as well as acknowledging theirs but no like the moment you start describing them as vermin or the moment someone like i'm just like no 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 like that's like we're not going down that road like i, I do that in my personal life too like if I hear someone at the bar like start talking about that about them like vermin, I I say what I'm saying to you, which is like we can't. No, let's just not say. And I think even if they do evil shit, we need to acknowledge their humanity and, and treat them like humans. And we there's something about New Zealand, the way New Zealand media is set up, um, and the immense overpopulation of opinion uh writers and opinion makers um in the industry currently who who do this shit. You know, and it's it's all jumbled up. We don't we don't have like just news or just reporting. We have yeah. some reporting with the staccato of um, you know, the Mike Hoskins, the HDPAs, um, the Barry Sopers, um, whoever else, uh just injecting this incredibly and increasingly nasty rhetoric um into the conversation alongside journalistic reporting and it immediately bleeds into the rest of the discourse into the rest of yeah. the way that that news is not just presented but consumed uh by the audiences like okay there's this piece of reporting about the gangs uh it's objective it's pretty like it's pretty good maybe like and there's i'm not going to go after it right but then either side of it you'll have commentators who are like using the kind of language that you've just described like okay now what's the context of that like how does that help shape that piece of reporting like i yeah. i'm not going to go after that reporter but they are creating that news in an ecosystem which changes the meaning of what they have done yeah yeah i think that's a great way to put it and um like i was reading a guardian article recently 
I don't remember what it was about. It was like one of the a newer by a newer author on in the in that mix. Um and but they quoted Eric Crampton of the New Zealand Initiative as a as a legitimate source, which he's not. Like he's a profoundly intellectually unsound person. Like he's he's basically a right wing political operative masquerading as an economist. Um but he's treated as a legitimate source by the Guardian, which like grants him uh, by everyone and lets them launder like right wing uh propaganda into the into the, the into the media sphere and i do think that's one thing where we at the left are at a disadvantage is that i mean jane mayer talks about that in dark money but but billionaires right-wing billionaires and millionaires can effectively pay for focus groups to test market test attack lines just over and over mm-hmm. and over again until they find something that clicks um uh, whether that's like death panels for american insurance stuff whether that's Reagan talking about the miracle of the market and couching uh, neo, the neoliberal sales of state assets as freedom. Um, and, and like that is a result of like a thousand failed lines, each winning line. Yeah. And that's because they have the time and the money to pay for that. And, and we don't, which is why I'm constantly trying to get like smart people, funny people, good writers in, into the left, because we need to start doing that too. Like I, that's why I'm hopeful. Like, I do think the ideas to sway people to left-wing thought are out there, like politically and electorally, but we just need to be doing the same thing, which is just market testing and market testing. And we need a higher hit rate because we, we're never going to catch up with the right in terms yeah. of the scale at which that can be done. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's part of the reason Twitter is so good for us is that like um, all of a sudden we have people who can just post these lines for free and just like think and think and think. And we, we can like come up with our own discourse to combat it. Yeah. Um, but it is, yeah, like it's it's hard. Like it's hard to compete with people who are just paid to, I mean, that's kind of what our political pundits, our right-wing political pundits are, is they're just like, they're, they're uh, people who have sold their consciences and are paid to sit around all day coming up with, with right-wing marketing lines for their respective political parties and ideologies to use. We need to, which I think you're doing pretty well, and we need to figure out how to do that ourselves. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a little bit of an uphill battle. I think slowly that structure is being built yeah um but yeah it just needs that resource it needs more people on board um and we just need to be aware of what's happening in politics at large in the way that you've described um like none of this is genuine like if there's a if there's a right wing as you say if there's a right wing talking point that clicks with the electorate it's because it was manufactured And, and i that's almost always the case I think there are like right wing ideologues who are a lot better at just generating these lines themselves. Um, fortunately, we don't have any of those in New Zealand. Everyone here is a hack. Um, yeah, but uh, I guess Winston Peters, but he's he's too far gone. But every so yeah. often, he'll deliver a line where everyone's like, "Wow, like yeah. this guy's uh, such a good political operator." But anyway, everyone in the Act and National. They're not. They're not funny. They're not good at what they do. They can't connect to people effectively. They rely yeah. on this kind of factory farmed um, interaction. Although I sort of disagree with them politically, I actually do think the only person who sort of seems to get the media game in that sense is the right wing political commentator Ben Thomas, and that he understands that you need to launder this murderous ideology between a lot of like funny jokes, and like he, that's the problem is he is kind of funny and like. Um, and then in between that, you can you can launder the things you believe and, and sway people to that with humor. But we have that on the on the left too. Like Emi Rakete is also hilarious, and she just like like sort of puts the Marxist Leninism in between her jokes as well. Like she sandwiches it. But like the, but those are the kind of strategies we need to learn from. It's like how do we? Because media is about entertainment first and foremost. The problem is reporters will lie to themselves about that being the business imperative. But its job is bread and circuses, like ultimately to entertain more than anything else. So I feel like on the left, one thing I and we could collectively stand to get better at is um, figuring out how to launder our ideology in between entertainment. Um, because I think that's within the existing structure. That is how we start to win more people over. And I've just been thinking about that a lot myself and like how to how to make it work. But yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. And I think this campaign is probably a good time to be doing that as well. Um, yeah. I think it's just about us for the for the morning. Uh, what will you be keeping an eye out for over the next couple of weeks with the campaign? Um, good question. 
to be honest, not much. Like, <laughs> I think that's your point about dental. Like, look, I don't really expect much from them. I'm just going to be telling everyone I know to vote Greens or Tipati Maori um, to stave off like a murderous right-wing government. Um, and, and that's what I'll be, that's what I'll be focusing on is like, yes, like, like the late, like labor losers, but these guys are much, much worse. So we just need to keep them in as like a holding, holding group. And while we build power on the ground and that's where the energy is the building power, like left-wing power on the ground, door knocking with like uh focus group market line testing. Yeah. Yeah. With, yeah. So that, that's where I'm at. It was like, really heartening to hear just like in that, um, in that vein, a couple of weeks ago, the Green Party was saying that already knocked 30,000 doors. Really? Um, awesome. Which is immense. Like, yeah. because that's how Chloe won Auckland Central um, yeah. in 2020. So, yeah, really, really great to hear. I hope they're, um, they're getting a lot of people inside. Really interesting tidbit from um, Justine um, Sachs on Twitter. Um at Kvetchings, a uh, friend of the cast has, has been on, has, has written um, a bunch of articles for us as well, uh, who is door knocking at the moment, and said there's this really weird split of um, voters who are thinking of either, they're on the fence between ACT and the Greens. Yeah, it's what we're saying, the energies in those two Yeah, places. and it like, takes yeah. it directly to what you're saying, and you know, she'll have a conversation with them, and they'll be like, oh shit, ACT are bad news. But yeah. it's, it's because there's that um there's an energy swirling around them and there's a conception of both of them but people don't know the details to the same extent uh yeah. and and once i mean she's a very convincing um uh arguer is justine but when she's had a chat with them she's saying like a lot of them are just oh right okay yeah greens it is well, um, all you got to do is explain that pharmac policy and be like oh like if you're not economically productive they won't give you medicine and then I bet a bunch of people will be like, oh, shit, like, I don't want that. Yeah. Like, or, or like, oh, grandma would die because, like, you know, she doesn't make enough money at the factory. Like, oops. Yeah. 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 Um, or, or, like, just look at the Greens tax plan, which is, like, really good. <laughs> yeah. Versus the Act tax plan, which is going to charge more tax to everyone under 48K. Like, that's... Yeah. That's ludicrous. That should that should be disqualifying for a political party to say that they are going to charge more tax to the poorest people. Yeah, and I think I think that's actually also a great line of attack in the sense that, like, one, like, I think you guys have over us in America is that you're not, like, a nation full of people deluded into thinking they're just temporarily embarrassed millionaires. It's a little, it's a little, but not to the same extent. Yeah, yeah, but, like, that's the biggest issue in the States is, like, oh, we're going to tax millionaires. In the States, people are like, oh, well, I'm going to be a millionaire one day. And here, people are much more normal. They're mm. like, oh, well, you There's know. large support for oh. wealth tax here. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. It's like high 60s, 70s, um kind of people thinking that yeah we should probably do that yeah it's I mean, maybe that's what i'll do like justine's inspired me like i will start door knocking for the greens in the next in the next three weeks and see if i can swing any people over and so th i guess that's what i'll do that's what i'm going to keep an eye out for is, Fantastic. is winning over I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to hear like anything that you um see on the ground as well and yeah. i think yeah this is going to be it like i'm really interested to see polls next week that capture post-launch um from Labour and National. Uh, I think the Greens have a uh, final policy coming out on the weekend around oceans. Uh, I'm not convinced that that's where the votes are right now. Um, I think yeah. Greens have probably already got all the climate voters they're going to get. But we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I feel like, uh, uh, I don't know if this would work on their part, but if they could, uh, if they could convincingly put out a policy that makes it so the Auckland beaches aren't full of shit every time it rains. Because hey, um, I would talking. love to swim in the Horn Bay beaches. And like, I would love to go like swimming in Mission Bay, but I don't want to get a skin disease. So if they could find a way to clean that part of it up with the sewer system, like that would, I would, I, mean, I would tell everyone, I'd be like, vote for these. Yeah, guys. if it was a wider water, water policy, and it could be, it could be, I'd have yeah. no idea. Um, so keeping an eye out for that, um, watching those polls closely, um, following the overhang on Twitter, uh, Friend of the cast, Rusty, or oh, co-host, um, Rusty, uh, running that polling aggregator. Probably some of the best polling takes. No, I'm just going to be absolutely biased. The best polling takes um, in the New Zealand poll and media space. Um, go and check uh, that account out as well if you want to kind of keep a close eye on what's happening with that. That's another week gone.
we had a midweek cast as well about tax with Terry Boucher. So uh, go have a listen to that if you want to get into some of the details around tax policy. Uh, that was a really fantastic uh, talk, a little bit longer, um, just over an hour and a half, um, talking about tax with him. We've got all our details in the summary. Uh, check it out. I'll do one more shout out for that Pledge Me campaign. Please help us. Oh, my goodness. If we can get hold of that money, we can make a real difference. Um, yeah. We're not asking uh, for too I, much. The American and New Zealand endorse giving Kyle money. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this is the thing: it's the money isn't going directly to me. Um, yeah. Every every uh, dollar we make goes straight back into the cast. Um, we are incredibly efficient. We run. We will continue to run mostly on volunteer labor. Um, we, well, most of us are freaks, and we do this for fun. Uh, but we do like to pay people who work for us. Uh, and we've got a lot of technical stuff that needs to get uh, done on the website. So we'd like to pay some people to do that. We'd like to build some capacity. Um, it, like, even if you're just giving us $10, that's what, half half an hour's work. Um, or less than half an hour's work if you're working for the living wage. Uh, that would be fantastic. Uh, if 500 people gave us $10, we make our goal. So click on that link, uh, give us some money, help us get over the line, and we'll have many more years uh, bringing you independent progressive media. Thank you for joining us, Karen. Yeah, thank you for having me. And thank you to our audience. That's been another week of One of 200. We'll catch you later next week. With Living a pointless life But learning all your lessons Fucking politics There's no distinction The words are now It's paid with good intentions And I'll admit that I'm At a loss for what to say When they quote this as a cost We ought to stay Cause I live amongst the people every day And this vindictive Forgetful fucking race